This is your host, Josh Sharp, and welcome to New Hope's Cutting Room Floor Podcast, where we get a chance to talk about what didn't make it into the sermon this week and what our speaker would have liked more time to engage with. We'll also go over some questions that you might have had and generally just have a good time talking about what was on our speaker's mind. Today we're here with Hannah Suter, David Greco, and Emily Rocky to talk about the sermon, Our Faith and Doubt Mutually Exclusive, from the current sermon series, 10 Questions, Exploring Barriers to Our Faith. Well, welcome back to the cutting room floor here at New Hope. Uh, today, we I have some special guests with me. We have Emily Rocky. Say hi, Emily. Hi, Emily. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that had to happen. Uh, we have Hannah that you also heard laughing over there. And we have David Greco with us today. Hey. How's it going, man? Great. Thanks for having me. <laughs> um, before we get a little bit further, uh, a lot of people probably don't know you guys all that well, a lot of the listeners and stuff. So if you could tell us a brief little bit about your story, Emily, I'll go ahead and start with you, just who you are and a little get to know you. Okay. Um, my husband and I have been at New Hope for about five years. Um, I grew up in the Portland area in Canby, um, and uh, we love Portland. We love mm. this area. Um, we love the people of the area. And um, we have kind of served in and out of many of the different ministries. So you may have seen us for a brief moment. And um, then we went to another one. So <laughs> Usually uh, because I was like, hey, would you guys help out with this? Okay, actually now could you help out with this? <laughs> yeah, we're just too giving. So yeah, I don't know. <laughs> cool. Um, great to know and great having you here, Emily. David, what's a little bit about yourself? Uh I kind of, I mean, I said on Sunday uh, that I'm, I'm an apprentice to Jesus. I'm the husband of Emily. I'm an advocate for children and the church through a ministry called Compassion, and I'm an artist. And that's for me. Um, when I'm healthy, I'm doing all of those things, and I'm doing them in that order. Uh, and when I'm unhealthy, I'm either out of order, uh, or I'm, or I'm completely neglecting one of those pieces of who God has designed me to be. But, um, but yeah, Emily and I have been around compassion. My wife, Emily. Hi, yes. Emily. Hi. Other Emily. Uh, not my wife, Emily. F- just just because it's not confusing enough at home. Yeah, everybody. Right, yeah. Um, so, uh, so, so Emily Greco and I have been married for 16 plus years. And um, she, she was on staff here at, at New Hope for... Uh, about four years or something like that, something and like um, that. Uh, the best years and, of my life. Oh, <laughs> yeah, um, and so, uh, but we're we're still we're she's she no longer is on staff. Uh, we now we just come here because this is our community and we love it, not because anyone's coerced by a paycheck. To, <laughs> to, uh, no, 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 we're, we're all in. We're all in. So, yeah. Well, great. Um, out of curiosity, just a total side note to this. I'm thinking, like, I want to ask, what's the What's the coolest or weirdest thing you mm. collect? Like I'm oh, just, uh, that's a curveball. Just an interesting get to know you question. Mm. Emily, you got an answer for this? You look like yeah, you I collect cardboard boxes. <laughs> what? <laughs> We're I, not talking about you moving again. Yeah, no, <laughs> I moved case. a lot, and I used to sell books on Amazon, mm. so I would just collect every cardboard box. Wow! And I hoarded. You're ready for that boxes. answer. <laughs> yeah. that's I love that. that. Hannah, mm. David. Do you have a good answer? No, not yet. Oh, well, this is, I I like this question um, because I would say the first thing that came to my mind is that I collect questions. I love, I love asking questions. And so when I hear a good one, I put that in a file Mm -hmm. in my, in my brain. And if it's good enough, it sticks around. That's one that might stick around, Josh. 
Um, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow, that's, that got really meta really fast. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, that's yeah, great. That's David. That's David. It's <laughs> good. I collect things to worry about. <laughs> now we how went about, from meta to like, how about that <laughs> just joking mostly only a little i don't know i used to collect spoons you know those little tiny spoons like when you'd go to like a gift shop and there's like the little travel spoons yeah I, they probably exist somewhere in a box somewhere like a grandma yeah <laughs> yeah Aww. my parents we would we traveled quite a bit growing up and so they would like inc- they encouraged us to pick a thing to collect and i think my sister did thimbles and i did spoons that's really interesting yeah. do you still have the collection somewhere i'm sure somewhere mm. yeah thimbles and spoons by the way was my favorite band in college <laughs> no <laughs> no it's, i don't think that's a band i'm making that up. it's a good, good one though. though that's a yeah uh, that's back pocket right there mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and i don't collect anything um Nerf <laughs> that's <guns>. a lie <laughs> i've been to your house been in my garage i've seen now, your garage yeah. <laughs> That's a man with too many hobbies right there interviewing <laughs> us, everybody. Yeah, yeah, seriously. Uh, well, great. Um, moving on for our listeners here. Uh, we, at the cutting room floor, we're not here to uh, do the sermon over. We're actually here to talk about the sermon. So if you hadn't had a chance yet, go ahead and jump back to the page. Go listen to the podcast of the sermon so that this conversation will make more sense to mm-hmm. you. And for those of you that did listen to the sermon and can't remember it, I understand. Hannah, if you could give us a recap of kind of that thought process that happened this Sunday. Yes. Are you saying that they might not remember because like there is nothing valuable for them to listen to? Mm. No. Because David was a part no. of it. And you're sitting right across <laughs> No, I am him. saying that because I know how forgetful I am okay. and still had to rewatch it this morning. All right. And I know Fair. how forgettable I am. So. <laughs> yes. It was a great Sunday. It I was. really enjoyed it. Thanks for being a part of it, David. Um, and then Sherry Phillips, one of our elders, was also a part of it. And then... Good old Johnny Rose, John Rosensteel, was also a part of it. Um, And our goal with that service was to talk about, okay, so we're looking at all these questions in this series. And potentially this series and those questions are serving um, us and giving us the opportunity to look at kind of aspects of our faith or things we were taught or ways of interpretation of our faith or experiences that um, have been problematic or been limiting. And um, we were given the opportunity to kind of look at those and say, okay, what's something like that is maybe something to kind of release or let go of? And what's something that I'm beginning to see more clearly or is, is kind of being redeemed about my faith and the way that I experience and understand Christianity. And so instead of just having like a question every week that, and just boom, 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 um, we wanted to give people spaces to like meaningfully process that. So about a month ago we had a service like that. And then uh, this last Sunday was another opportunity for, for kind of a pause to reflect and consider um, particularly what is this kind of deconstruction doubt versus certainty um, what roles do those types of things play as we are looking at some of these harder questions um, with Christianity? And so Sherry and David and John had a conversation about that, um, kind of things in their own journeys of doubt and deconstruction and just seeing faith as a journey of kind of evolving and growing and changing. Um, And what are some healthy ways to go about that? And what are some harder ways that, that we might go about that? And what I appreciated specifically was you guys, both you, David and Sherry gave some really helpful like imagery around that as well. I won't say what those things are because 
you can go listen to that on the podcast. <laughs> so, well, you should do that if if you missed it. They did. Sunday. That reminds me of the the uh, rebuilding company you were talking. It wasn't That's rebuilding. Right. I'm I'm, re- I'm phrasing this improperly, but was what was the term you gave that? Oh, no, I mean, it's called deconstruction company. Yeah, but it was yeah. it was it was deconstruction. It wasn't demolition. Demolition. It wasn't demolition. That's yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. I, I yeah juxtapose those two ideas. Yeah. Of, yeah, yeah. yeah. What yeah. is it? What does it mean to lovingly and carefully deconstruct uh, mm-hmm. an old, beautiful building mm-hmm. with the purpose of reusing those those pieces and or refurbishing those pieces and putting them back in place as they were intended to be, versus getting out. You know, it's sledgehammer and yeah. Mm-hmm. This like is why you didn't call me over day. to your house and have me help That's you. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. reminded of that again. Um, just yesterday, I'm reading this book right now by Shauna Nyquist mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. called "I Guess I Haven't Learned That Yet." Yeah. And I just read. I'm going to read a little passage from that. Um, she's talking about kind of this idea of of things that need seasons of repair. Um, She wrote, I recently watched workers put up scaffolding on the side of the chapel at the seminary. My little desk in our apartment looks out of the courtyard in the chapel. So I've spent at least a thousand hours admiring the stained glass windows, the red brick. I I felt disappointed when I first saw the scaffolding. It's ugly and the work is loud. Then all at once I realized that the scaffolding and the repair work are ways of caring for this building I love. You put up with the ugly and loud for a while because you're committed to preserving something of great value. Hmm. Without the scaffolding and the work, the precious building would crumble and, dec- and decay. Yeah. And I just think that that really resonated with me, mm-hmm. kind of with the image that you pulled out on, on Sunday, that, that loud work of repair and the scaffolding and seasons of that um, aren't, they can be to demolish the building and that's a different journey, but um, it's, working to repair and preserve this beautiful thing Mm -hmm. yeah 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 i like that so okay so he uh, david talked about this great analogy before i interrupted you you were headed down a path with this thought process do you remember what that is i think that was pretty much it i mean just talking about the role of doubt in our faith journey i think john talked about the opposite of faith isn't doubt it's certainty Mm Um, I know that's something that I'm navigating particularly a lot right now of just, oh yeah, okay, what does it look like to have a faith that actually is forged with uncertainty, um, through uncertainty? And that's really where our faith can become the beautiful thing that it is. Um, And then the invitation to not fear doubt, but to see it as a thing that belongs in a strengthening Mm. kind of part of our faith journey as well. Yeah. Yeah great yeah it was a fun it was a fun sunday having you guys up there and um i was looking forward to today uh, that whole time anticipating this so yeah um emily uh you're here with us today thank you so much again i know i've heard a little bit of your story uh in the past um within some of our life group and, and stuff like that i'm curious though especially as far as uh what we're talking about and everything today what is your story as far as doubt and working through that? What, where's, yeah, where's it begin? Where's it go? Yeah. Um, I grew up a pastor's kid, um, went to Christian college, yeah. worked in churches. <laughs> pastor's kids unite. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All y'all except me. Teacher's kid. <laughs> same, same difference. Yeah. 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 <laughs> same pond, different lily pad. Wow. 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 Nice. <laughs> okay. So anyways, for sure. Yeah. Pastor's kid. And, um, I worked in churches for 12 years and I have just always been a believer. Mm -hmm. Um, It's my identity. It was my identity. 
Um, and then the church that my dad worked at for 40 years um, hurt him. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it hurt me. It hurt my family. And coupled that with politics. Mm-hmm. And I, I really wish I had the luxury of saying that my faith didn't have anything to do with my politics mm-hmm. and that they didn't intermingle. But that's not how I grew up. They were intertwined mm-hmm. all the way. And so when politics became the forefront of everyone's social media, of all the news and everything, it kind of, that coupled with the church hurt, brought me to a point of grief. Mm-hmm. And like every process in the point of grief, I was, I was appalled, I didn't understand. I was angry um, and I, I have, I do feel like I have come to a point of understanding, like, or at least acknowledging all of it. Um, but those things um, really brought me into the spiral, this grief spiral that led me to doubt, mm-hmm. led me to kind of think, well, if they were wrong about some of these things, maybe they were wrong about all of these other things. Mm-hmm. And it was really easy to find sources that agreed with me, mm-hmm. that said, yeah, they are wrong about all these things. Mm-hmm. And I did find myself consuming all of that. Mm-hmm. I, I consumed that ravenously because they were agreeing with me and they were, they were acknowledging my hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I came to a point of <laughs> being embarrassed of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't want to be associated with that. I didn't want to be associated with politics and the ultimately the people that were hurting other people. Um, so my, de- my deconstruction was really a disentanglement of politics and culture mm-hmm. from my faith. Mm-hmm. And it was really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, it would have been easier to just give up, and I thought about it a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Um, it just would have been so much easier to, mm-hmm. to not believe any of it, maybe be agnostic. I can just... Mm-hmm. I don't know any of it, mm-hmm. but, but I do know. I, mm-hmm. I know the Jesus that these people that I no longer agreed with taught me. Mm-hmm. They taught me about a loving Jesus that loved me, mm-hmm. and that's the Jesus that I was pursuing and I wanted, and I knew that all those politics and the hurtfulness were not a part of that anymore. So I just had to unwrap that, and it's kind of a piece-by-piece piece type of thing, and um, you feel really alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that was really actually good for me is that people gave me space. Mm-hmm. They didn't try to fix me. Mm-hmm. That was kind of a theme in my head when I was kind of going through this. Like, don't try to fix me. Like, mm-hmm. I've, heard, I've heard you try to fix other people. I've heard you, you know, um, tell people that their heart is wrong, that there's something wrong with them. They don't believe enough. They don't have good faith. Um, and that, that didn't help. That mm-hmm. stuff was not helpful. So the people that did give me space, the people that didn't try to fix me, actually were on a journey with me to help me heal mm-hmm. from the hurt and to be able to kind of refigure out what I wanted my faith to look like. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. <clears throat> so um, I would say, I wanted to say, one of the biggest things for me was that those people in my life acknowledged the hurt. And I think a lot of people, they're still missing that element in the, their deconstruction. Um, I know that for a lot of national church people, um, there's voices out there that are saying 
that it's an attack on Christianity and the church in general. And in some ways that that might be true, but in a lot of ways, I think there's a lot of Jesus loving people that are trying to disentangle Hmm. these politics and these church hurt and abuses that have come to them. And they need to hear that acknowledgement of the hurt Mm -hmm. and they can't get past you can't move on to see the good of the church or the good of Christianity until you have that acknowledgement. And so mm-hmm. those people that acknowledge that in my life gave me that permission mm-hmm. to not have this just be demolishment, mm-hmm. but to have it be deconstruction and still working on the reconstruction. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I mm-hmm. would say, you know, when Hannah first texted me about doing this, I told her, I said, I wake up every day and have to decide whether or not I'm going to be a follower of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's still the case. Mm-hmm. Every day I still have to wake up and it's a decision. Mm-hmm. And in some ways that's good. Mm-hmm. I, I have to be thoughtful about it. And I have to, um, what for me, what I really have to do is be thankful and look around for the ways that God is going to be showing up in my life mm-hmm. each day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. It's intense. Yeah. 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 And brave. Thanks for Yeah, thanks for sharing it. Yeah. Thanks yeah. sharing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm 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 thinking out loud here and so forgive me if this is clunky, but it sounds it does feel like there's a um for the for the for the church and for for us as followers of Jesus, like th- that was a big part of my story was was uh was choosing to be a part of community like there's not a context for solo christianity as much as i think so many of us would like that to be like i'd (laughs) like to just go out to the mountains and just be me and god um we kind of need to stay i think in order to be healthy stay rooted in the church and so there's a there's an invitation for us as individuals to be connected to a body but i also think on the other side of that there's a necessity for the body to be a welcoming place for people who are feeling pushed mm-hmm. out and so how how do we as the church create a space that's welcoming to people who are wrestling with mm-hmm. things and how do we as individuals like find the courage to stay engaged and lean in um, to a place where sometimes it doesn't feel mm-hmm. safe all the time. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of a two, there's very much a two way street. I don't know if that's a clunky idea. That's me just thinking out loud, but I mean, I'm tracking with you if mm-hmm. it's clunky, it's cause I yeah. think clunkily too, but <laughs> it sort of, it's, I mean, even I guess the way you framed it, it, it almost still has like the angle of like the person who's doubting is the outlier yeah. or it's like, I actually don't think yeah. that's true. You yeah, know, I like, it's, yeah, it's, it's probably more of like a, Oh, me too. than mm-hmm. it is. Ooh, scary. Yeah. You know, it's actually like this beautiful gift yeah. that like you get to name something that it's like the, the kid in the class who like raises their hand and asks the question like, wait, but how do we do this? And all the other that kids are like, else is oh, I'm so glad yeah. they asked that, yeah. you know, yeah. it's like this actual gift. Mm-hmm. If we, if we keep, if we, um, if we don't let fear, um, keep us from preventing, keep us from seeing that as a gift. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a gift. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Well, Emily, um, uh, yeah, clearly as, as you kind of ended that, I guess, what have you learned and are still learning, uh, out of this process from this process? Um, well, the main thing that I kind of have clinged clung to, um, recently, 
is that um, I, I don't have to have all the answers. <laughs> and, um, you know, growing up, I had all the answers. Like, mm-hmm. I felt like, um, you know, I went to Bible college. I uh, did Awana and did all those things because I was in this army mm-hmm. that <laughs> had all the answers. And, um, and some of that, when, you know, looking back, like, that was, some of that was pretty unhealthy for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I have really wrestled and come, become, became comfortable with, not knowing. And I think um, that mystery of God and the element of, of uh, spirituality that comes where he's so much bigger than my mind can comprehend that it's okay that when things in the Bible seem unclear uh, or they're not acknowledged at all and we've come up with these answers um, mm-hmm. that maybe they're not right, the right answers because they have unintended consequences on mm-hmm. lots right. of people, right. um, that it's okay not to have the answer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, that's what I'm learning, and it, so it's kind of a, a learning, unlearning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have the answers. <laughs> I can appreciate that for sure, yeah. 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 It's like so freeing. I mean, even as you're talking about that, is like, that humility is so freeing because like, gosh, what a burden to have mm-hmm. to like carry knowing everything, you know, it's like when Jesus talks about my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Like, mm. Oh, I just get to be like a human on the journey mm. and not the like. Yeah. And I would say it, it doesn't, it hasn't come without strife and shame. Mm. Like mm. I, I had the answers that, probably hurt other people mm. so I know that I have shame and anger and mm. frustration in maybe the way that I treated other people because I did have all the answers and yeah. they were not right they hurt other people mm. so it's I, I mean I, I don't say it flippantly that I don't have the answers like I think it's, it's very serious in my mm. life that mm. I um that I come to that conclusion that's a long ways that's a big journey and yeah thank you for Thank you for going through it. I mean, I, I think there's some truth behind of just, yeah, you, you're, it's a good example for me to hear. Um, I'm not far from that. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I just thank you mm-hmm. for being open about it too. Can I throw out a question to the table? And you can edit this out if we don't like it. <laughs> it's all good. That's up to Mark. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, okay. I have, it's like the concept. I have to turn it into a question. So, when we have the answers, we, we exist with a God that we have some emotional sense of control over. I do. Because. Like we have emotional, we have a sense of emotional control over that God. Over yeah. God? Yeah. Okay. Like, okay. like okay. I'm sort of in control mm-hmm. of how I understand God. Mm. Yeah. And that feels really safe. Mm. And I think that's why we do it is because it feels like safe to have control. Mm. Mm-hmm. And then like Sherry on Sunday was talking about God's not in our boxes. Right. right? And right. that, yeah. so it's the same idea, just yeah. different language around that. So like, I feel good when God's in my box. And then yes. when I risk moving beyond those boxes or seeing them for what they are, like my question is a confession and a question. Mm-hmm. I feel terror. Like when I realize that God is outside of my box, cause it means that I actually have to trust God and God mm-hmm. is not within my control. Mm-hmm. And that feels so scary because it means I actually have to trust that God is like good mm. and kind and loving and mm. compassionate and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love or what the mm-hmm. things that scripture tells us about God. But it's actually like, I have to like 
trust that now, you know, it's not just something that's, uh, I don't know. That's my confession is that that's terrifying, mm-hmm. which is why I think a lot of people yes. don't go on that journey. Yes. Um, and then my question is, is it terrifying for you guys or is it just me? <laughs> so or how do you, how do you come to trust a God that's outside your control? From what I think it's a great question. I think, um, I've been on a different journey in the grand scheme of not dealing with the idea of deconstruction as much, but a lot more anger with God Mm. historically and uh, dealing with that aspect and dealing with the lack of control that that has brought. Mm. And while knowledge wise, I know I should be thankful. I I could still be mad at any moment over the idea. Mm. I'm not terrified about it. I am mad. Hmm. And that's probably the stuff that I would deal with the most in that aspect of hmm. the journey and a personality of, of me. In, sure. in this. Enneagram that's, eight, Enneagram six, yeah. fear, <laughs> anger. Okay. Yeah. Yep. No. <laughs> and so that's where I, yeah. I tend to, to sit. It's, it's the, the aspect of deconstruction isn't that big a deal to me. Like I've rehearsed a lot of stuff in my mind over the years and been like, okay, I've gone through this and oh yeah, that does make more sense. That was stupid back mm. then, whatever. Like, Um, but when it came to dealing with events that happened to me, happened to others, to me, uh, around me, um, massive injustices. Wow. Mm. Um, I never knew I could be like that at that anger level with God. Mm. Um, and it's taken years to work through and realize, but that's where I'm at. So Mm. to answer your question that, that it's, I view it very differently, but I do understand like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's God's not in my box and this is how I feel about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. What's the emotion that comes up for you guys when you acknowledge God's not in your box? Um, I would say for me, I think, I don't know what the emotion would be. It, it just, God's not in my box. So he's definitely far away. Hmm. Like, um, hmm. and he's far away. So what does any of this matter? You know, Mm. that's where that doubt, Mm. that's that doubt. Mm. Um, so yeah, if he's not in my box, um, I'm Mm. out of control Mm. and that's why wrestling with questions and uh, and uncertainty of what I should understand about God is hard Mm because then he feels far away. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm. If he's not here, where is he? Or if he's not in this box. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Thanks. Yeah. David. Wow. No, I, as you were talking about that, I actually, my, my, the first word that came to mind was that I feel relief. Mm. Like I, mm. I actually think a God that's small enough to fit in my construct of God is not really a God I'm interested in paying attention to. <laughs> so a God that's bigger <laughs> than that is actually one, like a, a mystery God, mm. like a, a, uh, one that, yeah, surpasses my understanding is one that I'm actually, I want to, I want to, like it's, it's the, uh, there's a, there's a theologian who talks about, um, God's mystery not being that God is unknowable, that but that God is endlessly knowable, mm. and so there's you can always go deeper and always go deeper and always go farther and always go wider, and there, and God is still there, mm. um, and so that actually yeah that's a sense of I yeah I lean in hmm. more to that. Kind yeah. of, isn't that interesting? Yeah, like, we're all wired differently. I, I think yeah. that's interesting too because for me I I know that to be true, mm-hmm. um, and so I I function largely on that mm-hmm. concept. Um, that's why this other one shocked me so much, but mm. it was a pretty extreme situation and knocked me that far out. Mm. Wow. Um, but it was really weird. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I like, yeah, I operate on that knowledge most of the time. Like, 
yeah, I've told people you're better off not being in control. Yeah. Mm. Like that is largely the concept of totally. the book of Job mm. and, and the end all. Yeah. yeah. We're better off. But wow, do we hate that? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I think that just that internal struggle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Cool. Thanks for my sidebar. <laughs> Feel free to cut. That was a good question. Cool. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, getting back a little bit to Sunday, David, was there anything, uh, you're on stage this last Sunday mm-hmm. and you guys only had like 20 minutes. I knew what the timestamp was on everything. You guys did a pretty good job staying to it. But that said, like, was there anything else on your mind that mm-hmm. you didn't get a chance to talk about while you were up there that was like, wow, I'd really still like to talk about this, but we're done. Yeah. I, um, I mean, I, yeah, I, I definitely edited and shortened my story. I, one of the things that I didn't talk about, <coughs> excuse me. One of the things I didn't talk about was that, um, you know, I was, I, I talked about being being on staff at a church and um, and leading worship on Easter in 2010 and not believing the words that I was singing. Um, what I didn't talk about was that shortly after that I handed in my letter of resignation mm-hmm. and that it, for me there it was it was that I wasn't I didn't think that I was going to be able to honestly ask these questions if I was still getting paid hmm. by a church it's and I a weird position to be yeah, in. Yeah. And then, or, or I thought that if I, if I addressed them two years down the road, I would circle back in a season of doubt or silence from God or whatever it is. And then I would, I would use my cowardice that I didn't resign as a like, Oh, see, you didn't ever really fully investigate it. So it's, it's, hmm. so I, I knew that I had to resign in order to, 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 ask God really to, to find out, like to hear yeah. from God in this, like, and, mm-hmm. and get out of my own way. So I, you know, I, I taught, I'm, I, I think I said the phrase that I, I learned to live my life in such a way that I had no option except to rely on God. Yeah. And that was, that was very much like a, um, uh, it was, that was the season we were in. We we're living in San Francisco. So one of the most expensive cities in the world <laughs> to live in. And I, and I had just cut our income by, I, I don't know, two thirds or, or, 75% something like that. I was the I was, Emily was working as a teacher at oh a children's gosh. theater yeah, and I yeah, yeah. so That doesn't um, make money? Uh, <laughs> it's it, I mean she we had a friend who was a vice president at BlackRock and let, she made less than him. <laughs> <laughs> um uh but yeah, we um yeah, so we uh, basically I spent the next year uh hustling and cobbling together work um so that we could so that we could figure out how to stay where we were. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it was, it was crazy that over that time, you know, I, I edited a book and I helped a friend with some fundraisers and I, I worked part-time at a restaurant and I, uh, played a lot of guitar on a lot of people's records and I did all sorts of things, but we, we paid our rent every single month. And so it was without meaning to, I, I learned to, trust God like it was just like what Sherry was talking about on Sunday about building altars mm-hmm. building yeah. Ebenezer's I, I now I was able to look back at moments mm-hmm. specific places and times when God mm-hmm. like when there was provision that came from a place that was mysterious to me mm-hmm. and um yeah yeah a friend of mine um uh he talks about the difference between like he, he said there, there are two kinds of poverty uh that we see and so my job is I, I, I work with a child development organization that works with kids in extreme poverty around the globe. 
And, um, and the poverty that we think of, we typically think of, we think of the poverty that we see there. We see this poverty of means, so a, a, a lack of access to clean water and medical attention and education and nutritional food, things like that. Um, lack of opportunity. So, but he talks about that as a poverty of means. And then he, he says, what we experience in the United States, we don't really think of in the same way, but we've got a generation of people who are, who are depressed and, and, and don't know what to do with their lives. And he said, I, I, he calls that a poverty of meaning. So mm-hmm. poverty of means, mm-hmm. poverty of meaning. Mm-hmm. And, and I've, and I've, uh, and I, and I think that, um, I think there's, there's something to that. Like I go overseas yeah. and I wrestle in the dirt with kids. Right. And I, and I, and I talk to, I talk to pastors, uh, who are serving in churches like in, you know, in the, in the slums of Guatemala city or something like that. And they, are just filled with joy and they're not going through an existential crisis. They're mm-hmm. not going through a dark night of the soul. They're not wrestling with doubt. Um, but it's because they've learned to live their life in such a way that they have no option except to rely on God's provision in their lives. And so, and I, and I recognized that poverty in myself when I saw that. So mm-hmm. those that- were some of the things that I would have talked about <laughs> if only I had been given uh, more than days, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, that actually reminds me of um, a book, and I heard you guys mention this book mm. on um, Sunday from A.J. Sabota. Oh, yeah. Um, I looked that up today. Yeah, and and this he mentions that deconstruction is actually for the privileged. Mm. <laughs> and and mm-hmm. it, it's essentially that. Like, there are Christians all over the world, and they're not facing these type of crisis right. that we are um, maybe in the United States because— we are privileged mm-hmm. in, uh, and um, mm-hmm. we're not facing life and death situations just with life. Yeah. Mm. Makes me think of, you know, I'm always like thinking of the experiential angle, but like, yeah, so much of our uh, discipleship is intellectual mm. yeah, and mm-hmm. not as experiential. Mm-hmm. Um, not as, like John talked about that, like faith works, like it's, it's like an acting out of of belief and yeah, we, we have fewer opportunity, um, in our day to day, I guess, or it's maybe not fewer opportunity. It's just just not as emphasized to, um, have more of like a practice, like fleshy blood and guts day to day (laughs) experienced faith more so than like a discipling of our, intellect um Mm. which tends to be Mm -hmm. a lot of the focus yeah Mm. you guys both brought up an interesting part of you're going through this deconstruction but you had spouses Mm. in the middle of this um and that's why i say feel free to say no what was that like what was that like for your spouse as much as you can talk for them you know at this level i don't want you you know completely but there's some reality to this of like that's a big part of this for um, yeah, you're, you're married at this time. This person is kind of attached to you through this process, but may not be going through it themselves or mm-hmm. where were they on that? So yeah, that's what I'm looking for. Either one of you. Yeah. I'll, I'll jump in just because I did mention it briefly that, that we weren't like Emily and I weren't sure that we were going to stay married when I was going through this. And mm-hmm. the way that I think of it, it's almost like there was a, uh, there's like a, a wheel and God is like the center of it and then everything else is a spoke that goes out from it so the only thing that connects everything else is this center uh this center whatever it is i don't know axle i don't know well i'm not a, right. i'm not a wheel right. person I'm, yeah. I'm not a wheel doctor josh <laughs> um 
So yeah. So but but I felt like in in this season of of just toying with the idea of getting rid of God, I was uh, I was pulling out that whatever that center was that connected all the other spokes, and so there was no. The, all of a sudden, marriage didn't have a purpose. So it wasn't that I didn't love my wife. I, there was no one else I wanted to be with. Um, but I didn't have a framework for a context of a faithful marriage if there was no God, because everything was tied into a, a metaphor for Christ and his church, right? Christ yeah. and his bridegroom. Yeah. And so and so I, or Christ and the bride. Um, so it was, that was the, yeah, that was like, we went through a season where we just were asking these questions like is does will this even work if we're not heading in the same direction here but kind of every night we crawled into bed and I would put my arm out and she would curl up into it and and then the next day we would face it again and um yeah and I I mean there's a much there's much more story here I just but yeah of course but but yeah we 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 came out the other side and I, I said, I don't, I don't know where I'm going to land on this stuff and I don't know what I'm going to ultimately believe about God, but I know that for the rest of my life, I, I want to be with you. Like I want it. So, so yeah, we kind of figured it out and she's just someone who grew up like she was told when she was three that Jesus loved her and she's never had a reason to question know. that, you know, just like, ah, why can't that's, that's why we that's, all need an Emily. I know. I Emily's know. a so, unicorn in our yeah. lives. She is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Emily. Um, my experience is that, um, my spouse, Travis was, he was unwavering in his support. And I, I mean, this would be putting words in his mouth, but I, or thoughts. Um, (laughs) I don't think he ever thought that I was going to just go away forever Mm. and and not come back to believe. Mm. I think he, I think he felt like it was the process that I, that was important that I go through to kind of, um, figure out what I wanted to be as uh, of my faith. And, um, I don't think he thought that I wasn't going to come back around. So, um, he was just unwavering. And I mean, he was kind of the liaison between my far small we'll group. Do part and, two and talk, I'll talk to Travis. Yeah, you can time, talk yeah. to him. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he, he talked to my family for me some, and <laughs> he talked to my small group and, um, everybody was much more supportive than I thought. Mm. He he communicated for me. You know, I, I talked about yeah, I didn't want anybody to fix me. He communicated that to them for mm. me, mm-hmm. um, mm. and it was helpful. Um, so I I don't know. I think he just never thought that it would be a problem. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Is it? And ultimately, it was helpful. Yeah, mm. yeah. That's cool. Cool. It's a good question. So, David, once upon a time, you and I were sitting in a McMinimins with a bunch of other guys, mm-hmm. and as we have a few times. Mm-hmm. And, you uh, were drinking a Mountain Dew, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> Actually, it was probably Roy Rogers, but yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> and, so uh, sophisticated. Oh, I know. It sounds so much better than Cherry Coke. <laughs> 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 so we're sitting there, and uh, I remember a lot of the people there, and you had asked, I think we were having a conversation about naturalism. Mm -hmm. Um, that somebody else brought up and we were diving down that road for a while. And then you had asked, why, why do you believe? Mm. Why do you believe in Jesus? Why are you a Christian? Why do you believe? Mm -hmm. Um, and all of us got silent and thought about it. And if I remember correctly, your answer was, it was, it's the better story. Mm. 
Now, I know you don't remember the story all that well. As you're, as you're describing it, I actually am remembering it. it. To I'm come, remembering it more. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm seeing us in that booth. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I was wondering if you could expound on that. I thought that was a, uh, this is a great thing to kind of discuss mm-hmm. as you're coming through this de- deconstruction thought process mm-hmm. and looking back on where you're at in that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I th- it, it starts with a practice of humility. So I think, I think, yeah, that idea of naturalism is, I'm, 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 I'm sure that I'm oversimplifying this, uh, but it would just be that what can be seen and tasted and touched and experienced in, in, in the flesh is like what, that's all there is. There's, there's nothing more than that. I think we're talking about synapses in the brain the whole night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, um, and I just, I just, I am more, uh, I'm more humble than that. Like I'm more open to the idea that, that there might be something that we don't know and that what we don't know could be 99.9% of reality. And, and if, and if, yeah, if, and so I'm just open to the possibility that there's more, which leans me into, okay, well then what are the, what are the options the out options? there for yeah. what is more? And there's just something compelling, like endlessly compelling about a God who would wash feet, a God who would uh, show up as an infant vulnerable, a God that would um, show us the extent to which we are loved, that he would give up his own life on the cross and show like this is this is my response to violence this is my response to oppression this is you know like mm. like uh, that's um i there's something yeah there's just something endlessly compelling about that that's that's the better story i think um and um like this invitation to die to ourself there's i can't get past that that doesn't sound that doesn't sound like something that 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 I would come up with, you know, um, <laughs> that's just something that I can't turn my back on once I've been exposed to it. So I don't know. That's kind of what I think I meant by the better story. I don't know. It was three, four years ago. Or it was. Yeah, and there were, and, 16, and there were, so. and there were several, whatever it was, Roy Rogers is whatever. What, are you, what were you drinking? <laughs> Roy Rogers. Yeah. Coke, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, Hannah, Emily, same same kind of question for you. Where where you're on these process, uh, you guys can take it wherever. But uh, why do you believe? Why why are you here now? Do you want to go first, or me? Sure, I'll go. Um, I believe um, because when I I look in nature and I see what's there, I just can't imagine that it wasn't done on purpose. Hmm. Um, and you know, we had a college professor that he's every single class he would say, God's fingerprints are on everything. So I like imagine like actual like fingerprints like <laughs> on the mountains and all that type of stuff. Um, but I, I just can't imagine that it wasn't done on purpose. Um, and so when I think about a creator, why, why, why would he create us? And I just can't get past that. He created us to love us. Mm. Um, Cause why else? why mm-hmm. so that's just what i always go back to like i i believe there's a creator why did he create us he created us he created us to love us mm-hmm. um and that's why i believe mm-hmm. yeah Oof. i'm just like sitting in your guys' responses those are good <laughs> um 
I think for me, mine's really connected to love as well and, and story like, and then the, the practice that Sherry gave on Sunday too, of like, kind of like looking back on your story and what are those little monuments of faith and ways that you saw God show up. And I'm sure I could find another way to explain all the ways that I saw God show up, you know, maybe of like, Oh, I don't know. This was provided for because of this and this. Like, sure, I could look at all of those through a lens that doesn't include faith. But when I look at them through the lens of faith, um, what it does in me and the kind of person that I become and like the softness and the humility and the love and the joy and the peace and the patience and the kindness and the goodness and the faithfulness and the gentleness and the self-control that kind of comes alive in me and that's nourished in me when I look at my life through faith um, is like the kind of person that I want to be. Um, there's a Psalm that talks about in your light, we see light. And, and like you're saying, Emily, like it's a choice to look at life through the light of faith that I don't even know if it's daily for me. I think it's like hourly for me. <laughs> um, but the kind of beauty that I'm able to see in me and others and in the world when I look at life through a lens of faith um, in Jesus and in the spirit and in um, a mothering father and a God that is love, um, I think brings out the best in me and yeah, makes me um, like who I am better, makes me (laughs) like other people better. yeah, I, I don't think it's just a lens. I think there's substance to it, but but I guess that's what faith is. is yeah, looking at life that way. Hmm. Cool. I was gonna. Um, I was. I was. There's one other thing that came to mind that I maybe would have shared on Sunday when John asked, like, what are practices or resources? Mm-hmm. Like, what? Do you, what do you what do you do when you mm-hmm. when you're experiencing doubt? What's a healthy way to respond? Maybe is how he asked mm-hmm. yeah. asked it. Yeah, <clears throat> and I I think about um, the story of Zacchaeus, um, where there's this I short a song right now. So <laughs> no, yeah, a wee little man. Um, yeah, no, I mean the story of this short tax collector who wanted to see Jesus and. Um, there's a crowd in the way because um, Jesus is very popular at this point, and so he wants to see him, and he can't see him because there's a crowd in the way. So he gets, he climbs a sycamore tree so that he can see Jesus, and it's there in the sycamore tree that Jesus sees him and um, and invites himself over for dinner, and <laughs> um, and 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 you immediately see Zacchaeus's reaction, and he gives money back to the poor, you know that that he's that he's you know whatever. Uh, hustled people out of or whatever it is. Yeah, and so, yeah. um, and, and I, I think about that story and I, I think that God wired me as someone who tends to be skeptical. And when I'm, when, when I've and, never and, experienced that. Yeah, I know. I know. Right. <laughs> but I, but wow. I know, I know, but I, I am, I'm a skeptical person. I like to kick tires and I like to ask questions and investigate things when something doesn't make sense to me or whatever. Um, and when I'm unhealthy, that skepticism turns into cynicism. And mm-hmm. for me, that's like a crowd that gets in the way of me seeing Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so I just, I think to myself, what 
are the things that I'm inviting into my life that are sycamore trees? Like, how do I get mm. above that crowd so that I can see Jesus? I really like and that. And so, um, so I, that would be kind of like if, if I had a closing thought, uh, not that I'm trying to wrap up our time together. I'm just, but I am, but I, oh, great. I, yeah. Hannah's like looking at her watch. She's, she's tapping her feet. Uh, her, uh, there's a, there's, there's a dog waiting for her with a leash in its mouth, ready to go. Take me on a walk, please. Um, no, uh, but I, I, I just, I felt like that there's, there is something for each of us and whether it's, whether it's engaging with nature or whether it's leaning into the idea of, of love, like there's, there's a sycamore tree that we have access to. And when we are feeling overwhelmed by the crowd and we can't see Jesus, um, there, there are ways that God has wired us, um, that, that are a lifeline and a way up above that. Mm. And so I, yeah, I, I'm, I think that probably all of us has that thing and we just need to discover that thing if we don't know it yet, but. I love that. I like it. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, from my end, I have friends going through this mm. and uh, I know we can all probably think of somebody in our mm-hmm. lives and mm. um, if it's not us type of thing, like, <laughs> yeah, I, I've got a friend who I grew up with um, and all the same, a lot of the same situations, different home life, but this is where he's at. Mm-hmm. Is kind of um, much more demolition, and uh, yeah, yeah, I'm praying for him and doing what I can to be there for him and not be a jerk about it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which is hard. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Give space, and yeah. I, I mean, even just in reference to the sycamore tree analogy of like, instead of being people that are in the crowd saying just like Jesus is right here, look, you know. Like right. instead mm. of saying like, go find your tree mm. to, so that you can see for yourself, you know, like yeah. it's just encouraging the process and mm. yeah. instead of creating more shame for how come you can't see it this way. Yeah. 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 For those of you that are listening, thanks for joining us this week and we'll catch up with you a little more next week when we get to talk about politics. Oh, <laughs> that's, that's where we're at Are you going to come back and leave next week for that? <laughs> <laughs> that may be just fun. Joking. We'll talk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll catch up with you next week. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Thanks for listening to New Hope's Cutting Room Floor Podcast. And don't forget to follow us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Check out newhopepdx.org to get to know us more.